Welcome to Bar Talk. I'm your host, Robert Hill, Artistic Director of the Orlando Ballet, and with me, my very, very, very special guest, internationally celebrated ballerina and currently Artistic Director of Miami City Ballet, the one and only Lourdes Lopez. Hi, Lourdes. Hey, Robert. Hi, how are you? And what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I, you know, clearly I've trained you well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! It's, it's so it's so so great to see you, and um, and we I have such wonderful, truly really wonderful memories of the two of us in class together in New York at Maggie's, and um, they're just imprinted in my mind. Um, but uh, congratulations on everything that you've done and your new building. Um, it's just, it's just really great. Your leadership has been extraordinary. So hats off to you and, and the rest of the staff and board. Thank you, yes. Lourdes. And the same for you. And I was actually trying to think, when was the last time I actually saw you in person? Can it be that it was in Jocelyn Lorenz's class, maybe? I think, I think it was, but it just goes to show that these relationships that you start in, yeah. you know, certainly in the arts and specifically in ballet, these kind of community, they, yes. you know, once you're a friend, once you've shared that bar, you're, you're a friend for life. <laughs> exactly. But you were, exactly. you were truly one of the funniest people um, that I've known. And uh, <laughs> I always love, I always love anyone that could make me laugh during a hard class. <laughs> And likewise, it was, it's really magic. And it feels like we're just picking up right where we left off. It's, yeah. it's, it feels really nice. So thank you for being available. It's a really, really challenging time. And uh, I'll get to that. But I want to start with something positive. Because, you know, talking about the pandemic, and we're not going to get stuck there. But what's one of your favorite memories of Mr. Balanchine? Oh my lord! Um, wow. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. I can't say this is, and I know I'm not just you know pulling your leg or anything. I, I don't. I don't know that I have a specific one. Um, I get it. it. It was there. There. He meant so much to right. all of us, and and it's uh, each one of us had a kind of very different relationship with him. So there are quite a few. There were some. There are some that are very funny you know, just to kind of show who he was. Um, there are some that were really teaching, teachable moments um, on a personal level and even teachable moments in respect to an artistic director. Um, really, he was, I never saw him, you know, kind of, uh, I never saw him even freak out. I never saw him lose his temper. I never saw him nervous. There was always a sense of things would kind of work out. There's a, a really wonderful, um, image that I have of the, uh, it was the Tchaikovsky Music Festival, and I want to say it was 19, um, so he died in 83, so I want to say it was 78 maybe, and um, everything wow. was Tchaikovsky, right, for I think it was a, a one-week festival, every single ballet, like the Stravinsky Festival, and he had gotten a, a designer to create these, um, these uh, cylinder see-through tubes that would hang for the entire week that were part of every, the design for every single ballet. So whether it was Serenade or whether it was a new Tchaikovsky creation, these or Allegro Briant, these tubes, these cylinder tubes would be the scenery. And when they were brought in, oh my God, the smell, because there were some type of chemical, right, to, to make them. Uh -huh. The smell was like, we were like all choking and then oh one of them, one of them fell and, and just glass shattered on the stage. And there was Mr. B 
fixing Meryl's headpiece for Swan Lake, the rehearsal of Swan Lake, kind of just fiddling while there was chaos surrounding Oh my God. And I remember I was in the core of, I was in the core, and I remember looking at that and think to myself, you know what? Everyone around him is losing their heads, but George Balanchine is fixing someone's. It's like, it's like, it, it was like the sense of, this is going to be okay. I've done this before. I've lived through the Bolshevik revolution. We're going to get through this. <laughs> We're going to get through this. And actually I can fix her headpiece. <laughs> I don't know. It was in there are many, many moments um, similar to that. And so um, anyway, so there's your story. It's a, it's a, it's a collective memory. That's, that's wonderful. And you were referring to Merrill Ashley just for, for those who. Yes. Know. I'm sorry. One of, one of the great American. Yes. Uh, ballerinas yes. uh, for time and, and certainly a, 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 a mentor for me, but also just this um, icon of, of the Balanchine aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have to reach out to her and get, get, get her on here, you know? Oh, she's um, wonderful. She yeah. has so many stories. She's so articulate. Yeah. Warm. Um, and she's here in Florida. She's in Naples. Is that where she is? Because yeah, I, I, she's I, I think her parents or some family are very near to Orlando. Oh, that, that maybe her sister, maybe her sister. That's um, it, that's it. It is her sister, yes. But yeah, please reach out to her, she's wonderful. Yeah, okay, no, there's no. So speaking of Florida, you're in Miami and I'm in Orlando and we are in a pandemic and um, I don't want to get stuck on it, but um, how, how, how are you doing down there? What's your, what's your latest? Uh, well, we're good. You know, we're good. It's, uh, I know good is relative these days. <laughs> right, right. But, um, but no, you know, it was like everybody else, um, like every sector, like every industry around the world, it is, um, it is really a paradigm shift, right? And so yeah. there's certain, I, I feel that um, we certainly went through several phases. The initial phase in March and 13th, March 13th, it's embedded in my head. Right. In my memory. Um, we closed our doors um, and we internally thought um, at that point we had already canceled our gala and we had canceled one weekend of performances of our last program of Don Quixote. And uh, I th we thought, well, this is it. We're going to come back in a couple of weeks and we'll just pick up where we left. And then right. A couple of weeks and turned into certainly a month and a half um, or two months, and then it was a real a realization that that life really truly was was changing. So we acted. I'm actually very proud of Miami City Ballet because we moved with lightning speed. I mean, lightning speed. Um, I guess that's part of the balancing training. <laughs> so, right. Right. So one of the things that we did um, really early on is that we put. Um, I approached our school director, Arancha Ochoa. And I said, you know, I know you and I, I know how we feel and I know that we're, we're in person and that we like to correct people and it has to be the, the human relationship. I totally get that, but this is, this is a shift right now. Yeah. And is there a way of putting the school, um, the last part of the, of the semester online? And mm -hmm. so we did a week of just the, um, the um, pre-professional, the level of pre-pros, um, totally online. And, you know, Robert, it is not optimum, right? But right. it's pretty good. I have to tell you, it's pretty good. And I think there's a way of making it work um, to at least continue, to at least to offer these students and, and dancers the ability to continue to work on their craft and work on and do what, what brings such joy to them. 
And so we did that for a week and, and it, we saw that it kind of worked through Zoom like the rest of the world. And then right. we, put, uh, we had 108 classes. Uh, wow. 108. So that saved, um, obviously we worked with families in respect to tuition, but that kind of saved some revenue for the company. And sure. like everybody else, we tightened our belt. Um, we, we just financially stabilized. We made some, some very um, heartbreaking sacrifices. Um, uh, you know, there were hiring freezes. We unfortunately had to let go of some individuals that had just joined the company. Right. Uh, employees that had just joined um, the Miami City Ballet. Um, we, we took, you know, um, some salary, massive salary reductions, you know, pretty much, you know, company-wide. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, did everything, our PPP. We, we basically got to a point where we, we stabilized the, the, the company financially. We just passed our budget. And so our, our, our budget was for this coming year, um, fiscal year 21, the one that we're in, which was our 35th anniversary, oh, um, no. was uh, 23, a little over 23 million. And now we're down to 11.2. Um, so wow. these were, these are just needed, needed, um, you know, like I said, really heartbreaking and, and very, uh, very, very difficult, um, I guess, choices, uh, decisions to make. And, you know, you're, no one's, you can't tell now whether it was the right or the wrong one, right? We, every, every company has done, every school has done something different. Only yeah. history will tell right. whether it was the right or the wrong one. Only sure. history, it, we can't, because this is what's, what's so biz interesting for me about this is that it's, um, it's an unknown for everybody. That's so it. nobody has the template. There is no employee handbook. That's <laughs> it. I just I just said that exact same thing to uh, I had a Zoom con a call with all the company dancers yesterday, and I said because they were asking what are we going to do and what are, and I go listen you guys we've never done a rehearsal for anything like this we haven't done this ballet called Pandemic you know so <laughs> so we're going to have to kind of figure it out as we go you know yeah and that's I th so that's that I think is um, when you you know when you, when I look at it from a business perspective so that's what we did. Right. So now we've stabilized, we've stabilized company and school. We know how the school can move forward. We did, we did an in-person like you, we did an in-person um, summer course. And so now we're understanding and respect to health and using right. medicine and using science to, for the safety of our dancers and, and students. So now we know how to do that, right? Right, right. The density, da, 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 you put the guidelines together. Right. Now it's really about the future. And that's what I find, I have, to, I have to say, I know it's a morbid thing to say, but I find it really exciting. I'm, I'm actually excited to see how artists are gonna be creating or how they've been creating and really where, um, where the new, new models, how, the, how these new models start to evolve um, for dance companies, right? right. And, because right. that's what we all do, not just as human beings, but certainly as artists. We just we evolve with the environment around us, right? We're not we're not dinosaurs. We don't stay in one place and go and die, right? It's um, so you know, so that's we're in the midst of all of this. But um, right. So um, what season is this? Are you, have you reached ten? Me personally, yeah. as artistic I, director, this would this is my ninth season. So oh, wow. it's my ninth season. 
My goodness. And, uh, Time flies. I can't believe it. It does. And there's a part, <laughs> there's a part, it's so weird. There's a part of me that, that says, that feels I've been here forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that there's a part of me that feels I haven't been, I just got here. It's, it's, well, it's especially really now, it's like a new beginning, as you say, you know, and um, yeah, we, we definitely, I, I think, that I remember there was a, a period where I, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get through this and we're going to get back to what we did. No, I do believe that it's going to be a different way to go forward from here on, you know. I think so, Robert. I think, look, I think we will eventually get back to a theater. Right. And I think, and I think people will come to that theater. Um, I don't think that this is what we're going to be for the rest of our lives. I don't, right? Because, I mean, when you look at every other pandemic or every other kind of Spanish flu, life returned, you know, after 9-11. Life returned. To right. Me. But I think it is an extraordinary opportunity, um, and that's how I'm looking at it personally, an extraordinary opportunity to, to, to look at how we're doing, how we're working now and what aspects of what we're doing might be interesting to keep right po um post-covid right yeah and, and what things weren't really working well to, to help the art form evolve right exactly yeah. exactly yeah 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 great wow so um so much to talk about you you have so <laughs> many accolades and so many you're so celebrated and and so wonderful and i, I how did you cuba you were born in cuba how did you get into dance what started you I was born in Cuba and I got to um, the, the States, to Miami at the age of two. My, obviously my parents um, fled, they were political refugees. My parents fled um, communism, uh, landed here. And um, wow. at the age of five, um, I, and I think there are a few dancers that ha this has happened to at the age of five, I had issues with my legs. I had, I was flat footed. Um, they were very weak. It, who knows what was going on in back in the early sixties? But um, so I went to an orthopedic surgeon who recommended that I wear orthopedic shoes, special shoes, little booties, um, for a couple of years, and that I take um, kind of extra uh, curriculum, like extra physical classes, to strengthen my legs. And so my mom, being a Cuban mom, was like, "No gymnastics, right? <laughs> we're not going to go there." And she okay. put me in a ballet class in a kind of little mommy and me type, really tiny, tiny little school in Miami, led uh -huh. by a Cuban uh, former teacher. And it, it, was, it was primitive. It was, you know, I'd go in and dance around. It wasn't, there wasn't any um, kind of curriculum or syllabus or, right. or true understanding. I mean, I didn't even know what the, that these steps had words. It was really a free for all, exactly. Wow. So at the age of eight, um, the shoes came off and, and I remember this, I remember this so clearly in our, in our house here in Miami. Uh, my, my dad said to me, you know, your shoes are off. You don't have to take these classes anymore. And, and, um, unless you want to, it, it, it's an expense. He said to me, you know, it's an expense for the family, but if you want to, we'll find a way. And I didn't miss a beat. I was like, I want to. And I, to this day, I can't quite remember what why i answered that way um I, there was just i don't know something you know and so i um they put me with alexander negadov who's um a, was a russian dancer at the bolshoi how he how a blonde blue-eyed russian ended up in miami and coral gables i'll never know where he was <laughs> and it was mr negadov who actually 
um, introduced me to the world of ballet. So he introduced me to Sleeping Beauty and to Swan Lake and to this music. And there were these stories and these steps had names and it was these French names. And there was a way of, you know, um, and, and he literally just, the world just kind of, and I, I just, I just loved it. And, um, and then I, um, somehow on a family trip ended up, um, at the, I ended up, my sister got married in, I'm missing one year, but it's, it's okay. Cause, um, but I, I ended up going to, um, Los Angeles cause my older sister lived there, got married. And there I took class with someone called Irina Kosmovska, another Russian. Wow. Uh, remember Joyce Cuoco? Ah, uh, the name. Right, so wonderful, beautiful dancer, um, danced mostly in, in Europe. So anyway, so I, I end up at this Irina, and Irina calls the School of American Ballet. I was 11 years old, or 10. Irina calls the School of American Ballet and says, we, you, we've got this girl here, I've got this girl here who lives in Miami, who you've got, you, you should see. And so I end up going at the age of 11 to, um, to the School of American Ballet summer course. Wow. Um, so I was a year, a year younger because they, they let you in at 12. And that is, I owe the school because they were the ones who literally paid. I then had a scholarship in Miami. Um, they asked me to change teachers. I moved from Mr. Nigadoff to Martha Marr, they okay. asked me, which I did. But they paid for my classes here in Miami from my wow. this. And then I'd go study up in the summer. Wow. So it was really, you know, School of American Ballet through um, their grant from the Ford Foundation that... Which you serve as a trustee on. I know. I have come full circle. It's that's, so odd. But that's, it, a, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a tribute to the vision, I think, that the Ford had certainly at that time of, of really funding, um, which Darren has now of really um, being an advocate for the importance of the arts that how, how important it is that the arts should be part of our everyday experience as, as human beings. Exactly. I mean, since, since you say that, the, one of the questions I've been asking um, my other guests who have had on is the, the reference to um, the arts being considered non-essential in, in a time like this. I know, I know. So share what you, whatever you think. You know, um, look, it's, it's an ongoing and will continue, I think, an ongoing discourse uh, long after the two of us are no longer here, right? Um, <laughs> right. It, is, it is the arts will never be um, what the sports are, and nor should we be competing in that respect, right? It's, it's not a kind of value proposition. It is a value that you can't, in my mind, that you can't put a monetary number on right? right you can't say it's 10 percent or 25 percent of a human being or human right. life. it is just something that um that i think builds uh, offers human beings an understanding about the life about their lives about the world it, it teaches you about things that you should know about like empathy and compassion and trust right. and love and sadness and mourning um and i think when you think of any great city or any great country, you know, President Kennedy said it best, we're not gonna be remembered by our wars, and we're, we're gonna be remembered by the arts, the art that we leave behind, the literature, the paintings, the statues, the works. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's so kind of, not, it's not fragile, not at all, but it's so kind of 
nebulous, right? You can't touch it really. So that's why I think it's, it is, um, it's something that not, not everybody understands. Um, and of course there's art education is, is critical and going on into the community is critical and all of that. Um, but I, 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 I no longer compete and keep thinking, why, why can't we fill a stadium? No, that's just not who we are. Right. We're going to fill a stadium and it's, it is what it is. Um, but of tremendous value. Yes, we do almost a value that you can't measure. It's really right. a value you can't measure. Well said. Well said, and and I of course I completely agree with you. So, but but it and is that's why, you know Robert. That's why we're not gonna we're not gonna disappear. Go, oh my God, the theaters are they gonna come back to the theaters? Oh my, you know, we're we're not. We've never disappeared before. As long as there are human beings on this earth, art is gonna be created. Yeah. I mean, we're doing it right here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Terrific answer. So let's get back to your progression. So um, you were scholarship and you went up to New York for SAB for the summers. Is that through high school? Is that how that worked for you? Yeah, so that was through um, the age of 14. And then at 14, they asked me to stay. In New York? In New York, as to become a, a year-round student. And, okay. and that's what's kind of so surprising because, you know, I. My, both my parents were Hispanics, <laughs> and so I was 14, and, um, and my sister Terry was 19 at the time, and this was, this was in 72 when New York was, I mean, right. not pretty <laughs> in 1972. Right. New York was, you know, my parents went, go, um, and I think it was really because they just knew that this was, as immigrants, you just you recognize the opportunity and you, you just never say no to an opportunity. You just right. go, you know. So I ended up, um, I moved to New York with my sister. She went to NYU there and, um, and uh, she worked as an usherette at the, what was then the New York State Theater, the Co what is now Coke Theater in Lincoln City. And so I went to SAB and then when I would finish at SAB at seven, I'd go over to the State Theater and I, I just saw everything. I, everything from city opera to city ballet. I, Cause mm -hmm. I'd sit there and wait for my sister be, to be done working and really grew up around um, the, you know, what was being presented in this, this generation, specifically at New York City Ballet, this generation of dancers. Yeah. Years, um, almost every night watching them and wow. kind of not knowing what I was watching, right. Right. Um, and, uh, and then at 16, I got into the company. That's, uh, had that happened to anyone at 16? You were I the think, youngest, no? I think so. You know, it's, it's unusual now, I think, because people have understood, rightly so, that it's really young. Right. That you should have, you, sh you haven't really quite matured yet. And, right, exactly. Um, not everyone deals with it the same way. And we've come to understand that. I don't think that was part of the kind of the general... Um, you know, thought process um, at the time. And I, I certainly went through a, uh, an unusual kind of growth, which actually Merrill, Merrill Lashley really helped me through um, where you get, a, you get in at 16 and it's like, you know, it's like you've been, I, I compare it to being, you know, being in seventh or eighth grade and then going into college and going to, it's like, you've right. missed, You've missed those important years yeah. of emotional and physical growth. Right. Um, 
and you're thrown into a sea of already, you know, people who are behaving, wow, sometimes not in the right way for a 16-year-old to be around, <laughs> right? Yeah, and also there's no, one, there's no one taking role. Right. No one's telling you to show up to class. No one's telling you to work hard. No one's saying we're going to take your scholarship away from you if right. you don't work hard, if you don't improve. You know, there's a freedom that, that really your kind of discipline and your focus can, can you know, waver. But. Yeah. Wow. So, so you, you joined, you climbed the ranks, you were promoted to soloist, then promoted to principal, and you danced there for how many until you were 39, is that what it was? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I was, yeah, for 24 years. Wow, fantastic. So, so that's, that's an amazing career. And your repertoire is huge, right? You danced yeah. very, yeah. very you know, broad. You know, it, it wasn't, I have to say for me, it was, um, wasn't so much the years. I mean, I, I understand 24 is like a quarter of a century. I get it. Um, but it's, it's just um, the ability to have, to have been present with Balanchine and Robbins. Yeah, yeah. It was really, so, I mean, my generation, um, like anyone who, who if, whether you were there for Tudor, you were there for Ashton, or whether you were there for Paul Taylor or Merce Cunning, whenever, whenever, whenever you're in the presence of someone who has really altered the dance for me, the, the, your art form. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Bernstein, for example, if you if you were a student of his, or right. it is you, it's 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 a gift that that was extraordinary. You yeah, know? yeah. So so let's talk about that experience of working with uh, Mr. Balanchine and uh, um, Robbins. You know, those are iconic names. It, you know, yeah, they they were, and they were iconic, and they were very very different, which is why it yeah. was so interesting to have those two men underneath one roof, right? And to and to be exposed to them because um, they were they were diametrically different in, right. in both personalities, and how they created and what they expected from you. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mr. Balanchine in in the classroom was very strict. He was, you better close that fifth position. You better point that foot, lock that knee, turn your leg out. I need to, you know, he was, he was like this. He was a taskmaster. Mm -hmm. When it came to the rehearsal or when it came to a, a performance, it was a complete opposite. He was like, this is not the, so time to correct you. not the time to correct you. I just want to see what you're going to do with it. And he gave you very little direction, right? He was mm -hmm. really, truly interested in what you were going to bring to it, and maybe he had this unbelievable sense that you were right for it. I don't know, right? Whatever it was, but that's how that's how he was. Jerry, on the other hand, was um, a taskmaster as well in terms of not so much the execution of the steps, but the timing of the steps, right? And how they how they went, the syncopation, how they went with the music. And every step, every step, there was a reason and a story for every, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't do this without him stopping you. And he told you what to do, how to do on, it. On what count of music? Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. You could not deviate from that. And within those very strict rules of Jerry's, you had to kind of find your own, your own thing, right? You're right. 
right. you're all right. And so, so it was very different because you'd go from one to the other and you had to, Mr. Balanchine's choreography, Mr. Balanchine, the bigger you made it, the more you gave it, the right. he just wanted to see, you know, Jerry, right. like, I don't want to. I don't want to see any of that. I, you got to, almost you have to mark it. He didn't want you to mark it, but it had to look like you were marking it. It had to be so subtle. So you were just, you know, so it was a very interesting time. Fascinating. So do you have a favorite Balanchine Ballet that you dance? Do you have a favorite Robbins Ballet that you dance? That I dance? No. Um, I really, I, I, I really didn't. I have some that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> We'll save that for the next part. We'll save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all had we all had those. Oh yes. Every time we the curtain went up, we went like, "Oh my God, I can't I, believe." So that. let me just share this with you because I remember I I, I was accepted into ABT. Mikhail Baryshnikov, speaking of iconic, right, um, hired me, and I was coming to see the company before I was actually starting my con uh, contract, and we were watching. Um, um, oh my God, uh, the, the, the father, son, Balanchine. Um, prodigal. Prodigal. And I remember seeing the goons, right? And I, <laughs> I leaned over to whoever I was with and I said, I hope I never have. <laughs> Guess what was my first rehearsal when I got into ABT? <laughs> I was a goon. <laughs> and I bet you were a good goon. <laughs> I was fantastic. <laughs> I know, you know, we, anyway. all have, we all have those stories and we should have those stories, frankly. Yes, um, but you know what? I went, I went back and saw ABT did it um, at the State Theater, the Coke Theater, just a few years ago. And I hadn't seen Prodigal for a long time. And, you know, what a masterpiece. Oh, my God. Oh God. My God. Right? Yes. It is, um, there, there are a few ballets. Um, one of them is Swan Lake. Um, Yes. There, there, there are a couple of ballets that I have seen um, really from my youth to now that regardless of the interpretation or regardless of the company, <clears throat> excuse me, or where I am, I cry. Yeah. And Prodigal is one of them. That moment when the father comes out and yeah. he oh crawls and he, and he pulls yeah. himself up like this. Yeah. I just, I, I'm a mess. And then when I think about two things. When I think about, he created it. Balanchine was all of 26. Wow. Prodigal. I mean, he was 24 with Apollo, right? And wow. so he does Apollo and then he does Prodigal literally in the same year and a half. So how do you, how does that even, <laughs> right? Exactly. what happened there? You went from like, you know, this, modern, true, true neoclassical Apollo to a narrative. It was, you know, it's just, um, it's really unbelievable. Yeah, so it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful goons and all. <laughs> right, right. I just didn't want that to be, you know, anyway, but I look back on it now and I'm grateful for all of the experience. Um, so, so was there a, was there a Robbins ballet that um, you thought was, you look forward um, to dancing or great You know, I, I, there, there's so many, but I, I have to say that I think um, dances was, dances was one of something that was very, um, dances that I loved. And I, and I loved it because I, I went and I, um, 
I actually asked him if I could do the purple, if I could learn the purple girl. Um, I had done, I'd done the blue girl. I'd done, I'd learned the pink girl. Um, I had um, learned the green girl. I was supposed to do it, but then I got, I got very sick. It was a winter um, that I was out for a couple of weeks with a very bad bronchitis. So I kind of missed it. And I went to him and he was a little bit like, <laughs> uh, People didn't I, ask for roles, right? No, I never did. Um, and so, uh, you know, and it's just not, not that it was at the end of my career, but it was like sort of like past the middle, you know, I, I was a principal already and I'd, mm -hmm. I'd done a lot of his roles. Balanchine was long gone. And just in a conversation, I said, you know what? I'd love to learn it. I don't need to do it. I said, I just would love to learn it. And he was a little bit like, like he hadn't, you know, and, and, um, and then he saw me, I was in the back and in his usual manner at the last minute, two minutes before the, the, the hour ends, you know, frightened to death. He goes, okay, come on, you know, come and do it. And, um, <laughs> and then I did it for, and then I did it for years. I did it for years. He never said, oh my God, you're, you know, I, you know, you're great or you're, you're made for it or it suits you. It was never that. It, it, he just, he just kind of um, gave yes. it to me. And then um, he did, you know, his last ballet, Brandenburg, was done on uh, Nikolai and myself with uh, Wendy and Peter Bull, Wendy Whalen and Peter Bull. Wow. So that, was, um, that was also uh, really wonderful to have had that experience right before he passed, right before he died. Wow. Uh, to be part, you know, to just be part of his last, last creation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to be part of... Um, creating a brand new ballet, right? You know, because um, you, you don't have any, you, you can make it what, what you want it to be. What you want, I know, what you want. And it's, yeah, uh, um, yeah it's a, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have that, that, um, that living choreographer in front of you. It's, um, it's, yeah. it's really critical. You know, it's, it's great to have a, someone who worked with a choreographer and you're passing down, but as you know, as being an artist and a spectacular dancer yourself, it's a, it's an individual interpretation, right? It, right. Right. It's what you take and right. it's, that is, is, is um, certainly subjective. But when you have the person truly in front of you, you know, looking and working with you and right. it's, it's just, it's, it's different. It's different. Yeah, yeah def definitely. So, um, and it's, it's nice to say that we both had that experience, you know, yeah, beautiful. So you have this amazing career and then you, you, you do several things here. You, you become a television reporter. <laughs> you found a company with Christopher Wheeldon as an, as the executive director. And, and that now you're the artistic director. Did I miss something in the middle there? <laughs> Because how long did Morphosis go? Uh, Morphosis went uh, for three years with Chris. Right. And then, um, and then for two years without him, because then, then I came down here. Then I came down here. Oh, right. So, so you continued running Morphosis without him for two years after the first three yeah. years. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. And in or many, you know, I have to say in many respects, this... Um, this kind of abrupt change feels a little bit like morphosis to me as well, which is all of a sudden it was one thing, right? And then it had to be something else. Um, so you just kind of, you know, you, you know, how do you, how do you figure that out? 
Um, but I, I, I think, oh, Robert, <laughs> I know, I know I've, I've done a lot, um, but I think it, it just, it really came out of necessity more than, more than anything else. And I'm, and if you said to me, you know, what is the one thing in your, you know, long, long life that you've, that you've learned is, is really how important it is to say yes and to be present and to be open to whatever experience comes your way to what, to not say, Oh my God, I, you know, a, I, I can't do that, please, honestly, or, or I'm scared to do that. Or I, I don't know how to do that because it, you, you close yourself off to, to possibilities. And so a lot of it is, you know, I ended up working on television cause I had, I, I wanted to stop dancing. I realized it, I, I realized that I was, I had danced so much. I had right. danced so much. Um, and there wasn't really, I wasn't going to get any, any, I certainly wasn't going to get any better. <laughs> Not at 39. I mean, let's just be honest here. Um, and, you know, what, who, what was I going to do? I mean, what was it, you know? Right. And, um, and so an opportunity came, came um, up about working in television. And I thought this is, I don't know anything about this world, but this is just a perfect, I, I just, just a, a perfect jumping thing for me. Yeah, I can just, I just go like this. Um, and so I did that for two years. I was a cultural arts reporter, basically on, on camera. Um, I, and I hated it. I just hated it. I hated, and, I hated everything about it. And did you do that in Spanish? No, I did it in English. Oh, you did. Okay. For WNBC in New York. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I then, um, and then um, Francis Petrelli, the choreographer who taught at a school at Valley Academy East, I just happened to be talking to him one day and I just basically said, you know, woe is me. I really, I really just, I don't like where I am and I don't like what I'm doing. And um, so he said, why don't you just teach a little bit? And so I started teaching uh -huh. at Valley Academy East. I was teaching adult classes and really it wasn't, it, it was just, it was just being around the art form, you know, right. it was just, and then um, I started teaching more and I realized, look, I can kind of make a little bit of a living this. And I left the TV, started teaching and then just things, then the Balanchine Foundation came along and. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was just very lucky. I, I said, I don't know how to do this, but if you, if, uh, if you give me a chance to kind of do on the job learning here, I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. And, and that was really extraordinary, um, Barbara Horgan, because I owe her so much. Wow. She just went, it's a little bare, little foundation, you know, take your time learning. And I learned about budgets and proposals and right. governance and board and non-for-profit. Right. Um, I learned all about that, uh, you know, in, um, in a way that wasn't stressful, that there wasn't anyone on me, you know. Right, 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 right. Um, and I learned how to put projects together and what they cost and, and fundraising, you know, in a little, in a small little environment that was mm -hmm. kind of safe for me. Right. Um, and then um, my parents were not well. They were at an age where they started getting sick and I was doing a lot of traveling back, back and forth, New York, Miami, um, and realized it was too much. And so um, I stopped doing the, the, I had to, I had to step down from the foundation. I just, it was on a personal level, it was, I was just dealing with my parents. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, then Chris came along, then Chris came along and that was a whole nother learning curve for me, kind of, you know, how do you, 
How do you do your 501c3 from the beginning? How do you raise money? How do you contracts, intellectual property, all of that? Um, and here I am. <laughs> <It's> tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a progression. You know, that it's interesting. I just, um, um, speaking of iconic people like you, Virginia Johnson. Um, oh. Yeah, I did one of these with her. And her, her whole Point magazine kind yes. of came out of nowhere for her, too. So as, as you're talking about, you know, some of this, it made me think the very similar uh, how, how that progression. But, no, but I agree with you. You have to. Hmm? I was going to say dancers, we know how to learn. Yes. It's just with this, this, you know, we know how you, someone's in front of us and we're able to reverse it. Right. <laughs> turn it around, right, <laughs> put it backwards, you know, take here, put the, we were able to do that and we don't even have to move. It happens, whatever it is, whatever gift we have, and we do have that gift to visualize and then bring, is what you need really. And then you have the discipline, the focus, the dedication, you've got the tools. So I, you know, say yes. <laughs> Look, you yeah. just built a building. You just put a building together for God's sakes. You know? <laughs> You don't know anything about contracting. You don't know anything about, you know, uh, city councils or governments. You just, right? You figure but it you, out. You figure it out by, by getting the people who do know that stuff to yeah. come and help, you know? So it, take, you know, you, it takes a village, does it not? It takes a village. It takes and a village. And I, I've, you know, I've heard people say that over the past 10 years because it's been a little bit bumpy. But I firmly believe it takes a village, but the village has to be populated with the right people. Oh my God, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you have to really, you know, if, and you don't always get it right the first time, but that doesn't mean you should stick with it. That's exactly right. You should, you, know? you should, um, look, that's what how visions start, right? This is how you have a vision and you have an idea and a mission and a, and a goal. And then you, it's never linear. It is never linear. Right. Right. It's, it's always a little bit like this and you, you sooner or later get it. If you really, if you really want it, you put the steps in place. And at one point, sometimes it just doesn't work out, honestly, sometimes. And then you have to be able to say, I gave it 150,000%. It wasn't in the cards. What am I going to do? And then you go on to something else. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's how you, continue to grow and progress in a ultimately in a positive way you know yeah so okay we plan ahead do you have a five-year i'm sure you have a five-year plan usually that you kind of adjust as we go along right and we're all making, we're all, yeah exactly no. <laughs> what were some of the no, 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 I agree. No, it's, it's not in the trash yet, but it's going to be because it's going to all change. But on you know, your wish list of things that you were planning and fundraising for, and what are, what are some of the, the things that you were really looking forward to accomplishing with Miami City Ballet? I think, um, you know, when I very first got here, I, I think that one of the things that I found um, is that we didn't we weren't connecting in any way shape or form with our community you know uh -huh. people, people viewed us as this you know kind of white elite organization on top of a mountain that right. nobody could talk to and we weren't that at all um it was an optic right it was it, they perception it was a perception you yeah. Know? yeah 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 
it was, but so um, one of the things that I've been very proud of is that that is now starting, there's a shift that has started to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you, and thank God the shift happened um, before COVID because had it happened after COVID or had we, had we not somehow ingrained ourselves in the community, we would never have survived. We would never, we would never survive this, right? Because the community is helping you survive, right? Yeah, by, yeah. by their financial support, by their sure. emotional support, by, you know, um, exactly. by trusting us. We, we put a summer school, we trust you with our children. So there's now a kind of relationship dialogue and it, it, we're, not, we're not by any means perfect and we, we have a lot more work to do, but we've taken, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I, you know, um, that that has somehow started to kind of take shape and, and, and started to take place. Um, so that's one thing on a kind of broader um, mm-hmm. view of what we want to do with the company. I was very much looking forward to doing um, Alexei Swan Lake. Oh. It is, you know, um, it's a ballet that on a personal level, I've, um, I have always, always loved and I've never done four acts of Swan Lake. It's, it is just an understanding of, um, of really what, a, what an extraordinary classic this is mm-hmm. um, that really speaks, I think speaks to the art form, I think speaks to um, the, uh, the, the stature, what, it's, what it asks of dancers, what it requires of dancers to do a full-length full Swan Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what it what it gives to the community. So from that perspective, the ballet is is like up here for me, you know, a little bit. And um, and it's and it's not a ballet that I grew up around, right? Frank, frankly, I mean, I remember I grew up. I actually grew up with ballet theater because that's who I would see in the summers when I would go to SAB. Oh, you know, okay. Theater had August performances at the at the at the New York State Theater. So I grew up around, you know, Carla Fracci and Yvonne Naj and wow. Lupe Serrano and Royas Fernandez. I grew oh up around gosh. all those dancers. And Ballet Theater is a company that I literally would watch every summer. I didn't start seeing New York City Ballet till I actually joined, till I actually got into SAB and I moved to New York. Oh. And then I started seeing the company. In fact, I think the very first ballet that I ever saw was Jules. At, at New York City Valley where I wow. went, I remember diamonds coming up and I was going, oh my, it's like, I went, oh my God, that's classical ballet. I was like, oh my God. Right? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but anyway, so that's unfortunately the one thing, this Alexei Swan Lake, of, which would be a, the first time that we would, that we would have a, a full length Swan Lake. Um, and I was just very excited about what it would mean to the, the, how it would add to our dancers' development. Absolutely. Uh, and to the community, to, you know, Swan Lake is they come, like Nutcracker, they come to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hopefully next year. Yeah. Keep keeping up the hope. So, um, on that note, um, you can't get a bigger thinking than Swan Lake, right? I mean, my gosh. And how nice it is to live with that music when you're in the rehearsal process, right? I can, I mean, you know, you know. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, it's okay. We, you know, we continue. I'm, li- I'm living with Sleeping Beauty right now, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, ma- I'm, making a, I'm making a COVID-friendly Sleeping Beauty that we're going to open in October. 
Oh my God, Robert, that's the whole thing or, or just... As, as, as much, it's, we're going to make it, um, because we don't want to do an intermission in the theater and with the social right. distance seating and all that, but um, 85, 90 minutes, no intermission. So, you know, um, a little bit of narration, a little bit of humor with Carabas, maybe doing a little bit of a rap, you know, sort of thing. And yeah. <laughs> For you. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna, it's that gonna hopefully wonderful. be. Yeah, a lot Congratulations. of Congratulations. How, Thank how you. innovative of you to do that? Well, well, how innovative for you fingers, to do that? Fingers crossed. Lourdes, it has been, and now I want you to promise me that we're gonna get you up here to work with the company and to maybe teach a master class or two or something. Well, only if you come down. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll do this. We'll it's do a, this. It's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. Yeah. What a, what a treat. And let's, as, as same thing I said to Virginia, because we were supposed to dance together when I tore my knee. Oh, um, no. Yeah, so I was supposed to go back to London and do Giselle with her with the Royal Ballet. So I never got to actually dance with her. And I, again, her, you know, I saw her 10 years ago was the last time I, because I, I, I've been here 11 years, you know. So, oh my God. Anyway, oh. we're closer. So we, once we can travel and do that again and, we can hug and then um, I would love it. I would love it. Fantastic. Would love it. Listen, first of all, thank you so much. I, I've um, it's uh, it's brightened my day and what a way to start my morning with Robert Hill. <laughs> yes. wow. uh, and, and just congratulations on everything that you've done there and your building and sleeping beauty. I, I, I hope I can come see it. Um, please keep me posted. I will I'm, definitely keep you posted. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. After a successful launch of our inaugural program in June, we are so excited to hold our second Dance Accelerator competition this fall. Facilitated by Broadway producers Pamela and Tim Kashani, Dance Accelerator leverages the power of technology to create a global platform for choreographers to present their creative ideas before industry professionals for critique and potential investment. If you are interested in participating in Dance Accelerator 2, applications are available at orlandoballet.org. The application deadline is October 2nd, 2020.